Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Because the pastor that went before me in the first service went 15 minutes over, I'm going to have to go 15 minutes over in this service. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell them to you in brief. If I get convicted this afternoon that I didn't do a good enough job or a long enough time, then we'll do it again next Sunday. If the Lord comforts me and lets me off, then we're going to move on to other material about Abraham next Sunday. So let's just look at them very quickly and see if I can't give you a little bit of fulfillment. And it may, not, it may work and it may not work. You know what time that I'll end. There's a lot of material. It's, a lot of, it's been a lot of precious material, and I've enjoyed studying it. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, we're looking for promise number 2. We had the promise of the land, and I hope that you're excited about the land and new elements to think about that land. And I did give you something that you could do at home that can be of great pleasure. Genesis 12, 2, And I will make of thee a great nation. That's a promise of God. That's part of his covenant promise to Abraham. That's part of the Abrahamic covenant. God would make a great nation from Abraham. Don't only think about a nation great in glory, military might, and wealth, but think about a nation great in size because that's the overriding theme of dealing with Abraham is size because that's how he works us into it. There's overlap with the promise of a multiplied seed. Of course, Israel under David, Solomon, and Hezekiah was great in glory, in might, and riches, so that was fulfilled that way as well. The queen of Sheba was impressed by Solomon's wealth. The temple exceeded, greatly exceeded the tabernacle as a wonder of the world, created, put together by Solomon by David's instruction. Israel was great in numbers, naturally and spiritually. Joab census for David. David required him to do it, but he did it against God. David did. Arrived at 1.6 million soldiers. Just think about that for that little nation of Israel. 1.6 million soldiers that uh, Joab came back and reported. So it was great in numbers. Fulfilled naturally to the natural descendants of Abraham. That was fulfilled. But the greatest nation is a holy nation by the Gentile explosion of the Jewish nation. By the Jewish church. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are an holy nation. And when you're reading in 1 Peter chapter 2, you ought to go to chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 1 and 2 and find out that he was speaking to dispersed Jews. Peter was writing dispersed Jews in Paul's churches for them to hear it from Peter, a Jew's mouth. And he said, ye, are, ye, ye were not a people, but now you're the people of God and you're a holy nation. So there's a spiritual fulfillment of the church of Jesus Christ being called a holy nation and the kingdom being called a holy nation. Jesus, the son and seed of Abraham, saw this altered nation when he said, they shall come from the east, the west, the north, and the south, and sit down with Abraham in the kingdom of God. And so that's why I take the liberty, and it's not really a liberty, it's a scriptural duty of the New Testament to tell you about the great nation can be fulfilled spiritually. How's that? Promise two. I could have taken the whole sermon on it. Look at the text. Do you know what we went through in the book of Isaiah about that nation exploding with Gentiles from about 50 on? Wonderful promises. Wonderful promises. A little boy would become a thousand. Remember some of those statements? This huge explosion of the church. Okay, Genesis 17. Let's go to number three. They're not necessarily in Genesis order. 
Um, they're in the order that I was comfortable with and, and the number of repetitions. And I'm picking certain, certain statements of the promise that might be a little clearer than others. Many nations is this third one. Many nations. Genesis chapter 17. As for me, verse 4, as for me, God talked with him, saying, as for me. Wow. God talks to man like this? As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Many nations, a father of many nations. God promised it to Abraham at 99 when he changed his name to Abraham and he had one son named Ishmael. Note, very wisely, when you read your Bible, I want to show you how to read your Bible. Verse 4, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. What tense is that? Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Future. Six, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee. What future? Five, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Perfect tense, an action in the past that's still true in the present. I have made thee a father of many nations. Paul, from these three options in Romans chapter 4, and I could take a whole sermon on it. It's my, it is the best definition of faith in the whole Bible, is Romans 4, 18 through 21. It, it explains it so clearly and so perfectly about trusting the ability of God and not considering all the questions that pop up in your mind about one of God's promises. But Paul, from the three options, picked the middle verse, ignoring the other two. So when you, re, when you blow through those three verses, do you slow down enough to see that the middle verse is perfect tense, a past action? And Paul grabbed that one and pulled it into Rome. He ignored verses 4 and 6. He wanted 5 because he says God is able to call those things which be not as though they were because of his mighty power. Amen. And so we know that from Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Modern Bibles make Genesis 17, 5 future against the perfect tense in Romans 4, 17. Listen, these Bibles, God has set them up for a fall, for you to know they're wrong, you're right, they're, they're uh, the wise of this world, you're the foolish of this world, but you're way ahead of them. I want you to know that in Galatians 3.16, all Bibles say it must be seed in the Old Testament. Then when you go back there, all those Bibles say descendants, children, or offspring instead of seed, even though they said the Old Testament has to say seed. They're all right in Romans 4.17. They refer to the perfect tense. But when you go back to find it in those Bibles, it's not there. And, and it's not there in our Bible in verse 4 and in verse 6, but that's because we're supposed to read the whole thing. It is there in verse 5. And Paul pulled verse 5. He didn't care about 4 and 6. He wanted to make a powerful point about Abraham's faith, that Abraham was able to believe the one that was perfect tense. Because it was so much dependent on the ability of God. And let's see, what does it say in Romans 4? It says, and what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is how Abraham looked at God's promises. 
Scripture cannot be broken, so I just broke those books proving that they're not Scripture. What are the nations here? And in what sense is Abraham the father of them all? Well, Abraham was a natural father of many nations by Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, and Keturah's sons. Ishmael is the Arab nations. Isaac and Jacob was Israel and Judah. Esau was the Edomites. Keturah's sons are Midian and other Middle Eastern and Arabian nations. But Abraham is also the father of all believers of many nations or nationalities. Note the coordinating phrase in Romans chapter 4 when it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, when it's talking about those that be of faith, whether they are circumcised or not circumcised, meaning Jews and Gentiles, when they believe, Abraham's their father, and that fulfills the verse, I'll make thee a father of many nations. Oh, thank you, Paul for telling me which one's the most important. Because I know about Keturah's sons because I can read the, the genealogy of the Old Testament. I know about Israel being a nation. I know about the Ishmaelites being a nation. But Paul tells us what the real fulfillment is. In this sense, he was the father and heir of the world by Gentile nations. There are many nations in Christ the Lord. When we look into the Bible, we go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, and the 24 elders represent all tribes, tongues, nations, Oh, there it is. Nations around the throne of God. Revelation 7, 9, I saw a multitude that no man could number out of every nation under heaven. That's how he's the father of many nations, through Jesus Christ, his seed. Powerful. God took the kingdom away from the Jews and gave it to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And that's us Gentiles. And that's the last thing he does before Jesus Christ returns. The last thing he does before there's the... The last thing he does before Jesus comes and destroys this earth was to take the kingdom away from the Jews and to give it to the Gentiles. Matthew 21, Matthew 22. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And he did. From all nations. Revelation 7 is so beautiful. The first five or six verses are uh, 12,000 sealed of each tribe. 12,000 of Simeon, 12,000 of Reuben, 12,000, 12,000, wow, 12 times 12. So you can work your way up to 144,000. The 144,000 of the Lamb, Jews, Jews, 144,000. He wants you to think about numbers because he just keeps saying 12,000. 12, go with me. 12,000, 12,000, 12,000. That is a symbolic representation of the small number of Jews that were converted by the gospel of Jesus Christ under the ministry of the apostles in the New Testament era. Then I saw a multitude that no man could number. <laughs> a father of many nations. And those many nations are, are represented in this room. We've got some nations in this room. We saw some nations and we heard about some nations on the other side of the earth. Thank you, Lord, Amen. for that. Two distinct categories, Jews and Gentiles, Jews first, Gentiles second, Jews small, Gentiles much greater, consistent with everything in the Bible from Abraham forward, including Noah. God will enlarge Japheth, and he'll dwell in the tents of Shem. It's throughout the Bible. I want you to see the overarching, everlasting covenant and God's dealings always having us Gentiles in mind. Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from uh, Judah until Shiloh come, and to him shall the, to him shall the gathering. gathering of the people be. So that Jesus would fulfill that by saying, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Oh, is he a father of many nations? Amen. Yes, in the greatest sense was this spiritual sense. 
through the kingdom of God. And I'm just staring at a lot of verses. Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. She's no longer my princess. Sarai was Abraham's my princess. Sarah is princess because she's the mother of them all. She's the mother of many nations. If you read the whole of Genesis 17, you, did you do that last night? At the first part, you've got Abraham getting his name changed because he's the father of many nations. Then you have Sarah getting her name changed because she's the mother of many nations. And its fulfillment is the same. Let's go to another one. Back to Genesis 12. Lord, just help them understand these and get excited about them. Chopping off little pieces of candy for them. Genesis 12. In verse 2, I will make of thee a great nation, covered it, and I will bless thee, covered it. No, that's what we need to cover right there. I will bless thee. I will bless thee. Genesis 12, 2. These are part of the 10. I will bless thee. Blessings from God. And there's more than, there's, it's also in 22, 17. I'll bless thee. God promised blessings to Abram when he was 75, and he also did it when he was 116 years old in chapter 22. After Abram visited Egypt and was enriched by Pharaoh. Did you read about that last night? Pharaoh, Pharaoh liked Sarah. He liked the idea of Sarah. And so he just kept funneling money at Abraham until Abraham was rich because he, wanted, he loved this date that he thought he was going to have and he didn't get it because the Lord plagued his household. Enough about that. God blessed Abram so he became very rich. After Abram visited Egypt and was, enri- and was enriched by Pharaoh, he was very rich. He and Lot had grown so much in flocks and herds, they had to separate from each other, the Bible tells us. God blessed Abram and his servants to defeat four kings, to recover Lot, his women, and all that he had. God blessed Ishmael very greatly for hearing Abraham's love for him. When Abraham said, Oh, that Ishmael might stand before thee, I will make of him a great nation. Everything that Abraham touched. If there was ever a touch of Midas in the Bible or something, forget the illustration, but it was Abraham. God just blessed everything Abraham did. God had blessed Abraham in all things and greatly by his age of 140. The servant in Genesis chapter 24 told Laban and Bethuel, God has blessed my master Abraham very much. He is very rich. He has very many of these and this and that. Would you like to see a little bit of it? Come out here and check out my camels. God had blessed Abraham sexually that he fathered six more sons between 140 and 150 years of age when at 99 he was dead. Now for those of you who don't appreciate that, you don't appreciate the Bible and life. Because if you went to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and read the first seven verses, you'd find out that what I just mentioned is a pretty big blessing. Just didn't want to leave that out. You know your pastor. He wants to get everything in. Isaac reaped an hundredfold, his son, by planting in one year. Jacob blessed Laban. Laban said, I know that I have been blessed since you were here. Why? Because he was Abraham's grandson. Just incredible. The, the The down line of Abraham was blessings. And so we should see that. Now, what's the greatest blessing? Justification by the Lord Jesus Christ. And is it called a blessing in the New Testament? Over and over and over. That the blessing of the justification by faith might come on the Gentiles. 
It's in Acts chapter 3. Peter preached it on Pentecost afternoon. It's in Romans 4. It's in Galatians 3. It is called a blessing. And so there we are. We're rejoicing in Abraham being rich and Pharaoh sending him gifts because he wants to date Sarah and so, so forth and so on. But then we get to the biggest blessing and it's justification by Jesus Christ. And we're told that. And don't you like the way Ephesians opens? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Where do we get them? Through the seed of Abraham. What do we learn when we open the first page of the New Testament? The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. A great name. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. So let's deal with this promise for just a minute. Great name. God would make Abraham's name great in the earth. God did this for David as well. When David and God had their little exchange in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God said, I've made your name great among the great men of the earth. Because when men talk about military conquest from the Euphrates to the Nile, David controlled and ruled, and David was unbeatable in battle. When you read about some of the exploits of his men, some of his men could put down 600 men at a time. And you think about a, mil a military made up of men like that as you worked up that organization chart and you got up there to the Gittites, Cherethites, Pelethites, and his 37 chosen men, nobody could stand before them. And that was known in the earth. That was just an explanation of the word great name. God knows about great names. God knows about famous men. God knows about the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And he makes some of his own rich and famous, but most of them are not. Most of them are poor and unknown. And don't ever forget that. Most of them are poor and unknown. But when somebody starts to say that poor is a virtue, poverty is a virtue, and poverty is a proof of eternal life, remind them of some men like Abraham and David. A great name. Consider how Melchizedek, a greater priest and king, blessed him. What an exchange between the great king Melchizedek and Abraham when he came back from the, defeating the kings. Consider how the children of Heth praised Abraham as a mighty prince. When Abraham had Sarah in a casket and didn't know where to put her in the ground, and he went to the children of Heth. The children of Heth were pagans. And he said, may I buy a piece of property from you to bury my wife? They called him a mighty prince and said, you can have any piece of property in our nation free. He had a name. I'm just, I want to fulfill the word of God. God said, I'm going to give you a great name. I'm telling you, God gave Abraham a great name. Consider how Jehovah invoked his name to Moses at the burning bush. I am the God of Abraham. When Moses stepped aside to look at this bush that was burning that yet wasn't consumed, the words he heard were, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. So he invoked Abraham is called the friend of God three times in the Bible. Is that a great name? Abraham, the friend of God. In the hall of faith, Abraham has 12 verses. Moses, seven, all others, one or less, and David gets a quarter. You got to go look at it. It's... It's the Hall of Faith. Right. It's like going to Canton, Ohio, to the NFL Hall of Faith, and you go through the front door, and a third of the building is roped off for one player. And then the other 400 players are in the other two-thirds. That's what it's like reading Hebrews 11. You say, you stretch everything. I don't care what I do, as long as it's biblical. Right. And I look into Hebrews 11, and I see that Abraham's got a great name. Huge, a great name. He's in James 2, he's in Romans 4, he's in Galatians 3. His name rings out today in pulpits here and abroad of God's blessings on him. 
His name is preached everywhere. Over 53% of the earth and its three most influential religions all claim him as their father. How's that for a great name? Okay, back to Genesis 12. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. No, it's verse 2. I'm sorry. I'm in too big of a hurry. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. The blessing or curse promises are God's treatment of the treatment of Abraham. How he would treat those that treat Abraham. If they curse him, they'll be cursed. If they bless him, they'll be blessed. It was repeated by Isaac, by Moses, and by Balaam. This was well known. Generally true, while God's chosen people from Abraham at 75 were here to the ruin of Judah. For example, God protected Abram in Egypt and Abraham in Gerar from those two kings that took Sarah. Protected them both times. The Bible says in Psalm 105 that they were the apple of his eye and he would let no king touch them. He rebuked kings for their sakes. It says that. I will bless or curse them that, that bless or curse you. For example, when Abraham's grandson worked for Laban, he was blessed. And I've already mentioned that. That's Jacob working for Laban. Potiphar, proffered, Potiphar prospered greatly while Joseph worked for him. Blessings extended from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. For example, when Abraham's family left Egypt, they took its wealth with them for mistreating Abraham's family while they were there for 215 years. They took back wages and some extra for their time there. For example, when the Philistines defeated Israel and took the ark, they should not have. Think about every event in the Bible. I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. For example, God blessed Cyrus the Great before and after his mercy to the captive Jews in Babylon. For example, Artaxerxes of Persia knew about this benefit. And in Ezra 6 and in Ezra 7, the great Artaxerxes, Darius Hisphastes, the great king of the Persian Empire, said, make sure you treat those people right because I need them to pray for the king and the king's sons. He, already, he understood the relationship that the way he treated the descendants of Abraham, he would be treated by the God of Abraham and his people. It's there in the Bible. It's very, it was very important to that king. Being married to Esther didn't hurt. <laughs> but there are greater Blessings to the spiritual seed of Jesus and believers. Nations are not great. Not, nations are great. Excuse me. Nations are great. Not by their treatment of Jews, but by treatment of gospel churches. Right. Nations and persons are blessed by blessing God's children. Matthew chapter 25. When all nations shall be gathered before the great king of glory, he's going to put the sheep on his right hand, sheep on the left, and what's he going to tell the sheep on his right hand that they're going to go into the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world? Why are they going to do that? Because you showed kindness to the least of these, my brethren. You've showed kindness to the true seed of Abraham. And if you didn't, you're cursed and in a fire prepared for the devil and his angels. England ruled the world as a nation repudiating Catholicism and allowing Baptists. England ruled the world with a language and a Bible authorized by King James I. America then took over as Baptists flourished far more here than in Mother England. I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. It was biological for a while, then that disappeared when the nation was no longer important to God and it became spiritual. 
And those nations that would allow the free preaching of the gospel and promote the gospel and defend it and allow Bible preaching and Bible Christians to exist and that repudiated Roman Catholicism, God bless them. And those nations that wanted to follow Roman Catholicism, they get cursed. Go look at the difficulties and the troubles they've had and the different standard of living and freedom and liberty and justice and all the blessings of Proverbs chapter 8 upon nations of the earth. Because they blessed the gospel, because they blessed the gospel, created a harbor for the gospel and allowed it and promoted it to be preached. Amen. Daniel in his prayer mentioned our president and his wife and their Christmas greetings. He doesn't know enough to know the difference about Christmas. That doesn't bother me. Listen, there's, there's so few pulpits that preach it. How's he supposed to learn it? Do you think he's supposed to take time off and be studying Deuteronomy chapter 12 right now? Well, maybe a little. Deuteronomy 17 says he should. But I loved what he, he went off on it. I think he repeated it about five different ways. That the greatest gift was God sending his son. And do you know what he was doing when he was saying all that? Would that make a, a, a Muslim uncomfortable? Or angry? Just help me out. Uncomfortable or angry? How about a Jew? He made his choice. Three options. Christianity, Judaism, Islam. He chose Christ. And he just kept saying it. I was getting nervous. Jesus. You know, as soon as you say the word Jesus, you're in trouble. You know, Jesus to a Muslim was a prophet. Our Jesus was a prophet. But a whole lot more. Right. He went after it. Mm-hmm. How many of you heard his speech from 2017 when he said he would get Christmas back in the vocabulary of America because they wanted to get Christ out of it so they didn't even want to say Merry Christmas or Christmas in our vocabulary? He promised it in 2017. I think he fulfilled it yes, the last week when he gave his Christmas greetings. 12-3. All nations of the earth blessed. That'll save us some time. You already know what that means. I have a whole section here. It's a sermon. I started out with it this morning. And the scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So whenever you find that, in thee shall all nations be blessed, it is not because we took care of the Jews, it's because we took care of the Christians. And when we take care of the Christians, God blesses the nation. And what is the real blessing? All nations being blessed? All nations being blessed is truly, specifically, justification by faith through the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is what Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, that's the one I've been quoting all day. That's the one I've been quoting because when it mentions the many nations, a father of many nations, and great nations, and all nations blessed in Abraham, and all nations blessed in his seed, it's salvation in Jesus Christ and the gospel that declares it, that all we have to do is believe by faith And that's the evidence that we are justified children of God. This is where Christians need to speak up and destroy dispensationalism and Zionism when you have a chance. National blessings do not depend on how they treat the Christ-hating Jews of Israel. National blessings are found in Jesus, Abraham's seed, and the gospel of justification. Galatians 3.8, there are certain subjects that you want to remember a verse. And when you're thinking about nations being blessed by their relationship to Abraham, you want to remember Galatians 3, 8. And see, Galatians 3, 16 is the seed, so it's in the same chapter. I made it easy. Galatians 3, 8. Let me say it again. And the scripture, 
Did you know your Bible has eyes, mouth, and preaches? And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. We're blessed by justification. The multiplied seed. Let's go to chapter 13 and verse 16. Genesis 13, 16. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Could the Jews be numbered? Yes, they could. Is there a seed of Abraham that can't be numbered? And I saw a multitude that no man can number. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Just, Just embrace these promises. The multiplied seed promises are about Abraham's very large family downline. And it starts out with some blessings in this natural world. Israel did grow. 1.6 million is pretty big, but it's not very big. It's not innumerable. You can count it. It's smaller than Xerxes' army. But look at Genesis 24, 60. Genesis 24, if you go into Genesis 24, there's more than a love story there. But the love story is a great part of it. Genesis chapter 24 I want you to know that uh, in this passage, we have Laban and Bethuel. Bethuel's the father, and Laban's the brother. And so just hear what they say to, their, to Rebekah. Genesis 24. And so the, 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 the servant of Abraham is trying to negotiate with them as to how soon he can leave with Rebekah. Verse 56, hinder me not. The Lord's in the matter. 57, let's ask her. 58, Rebekah, what do you say? I'll go. 59, so they sent her away, and they blessed her this way in verse 60. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. There's no, millions aren't in the Bible. I love this verse. I've used it at a few weddings. It always got a smile. Bless this couple to be the mother, bless this woman to be the mother of thousands of millions. Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And that'll come in handy in just a second. The multiplied seed, tremendous promises about the growth of Abraham's downline, and the greatest multitude is the church by the Gentile explosion, which I taught you over and over from the book of Isaiah. And I keep mentioning that because I want it all to tie together for you. Those wonderful chapters, Isaiah 60, 61, 62, 66, 65, 54, those particular chapters describe the explosion of that Jewish church by Gentiles being added to it. And that's the real explosion in the downline of Abraham. There's 144,000 Jews, symbolically, in Revelation 7. Then there's a multitude of Gentiles that no man can number. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. Thy God, in Genesis chapter 17... Genesis 17 and verse 7, I'll be thy God. Genesis 17, 7, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. I love that particular promise. No, it's not as big and shiny and fancy as some of the other promises you might think, but for God to promise he's going to be my God, does a little girl in this church still hold this as her favorite verse? And when Abram was 99 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That's a favorite verse. Do you like that verse? You should. Thy God, 
I love what I just read to you in verses 7 and 8. And I will give unto thee in verse 8, and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. Of course, that's a conditional promise. Unless you're thinking about heaven, and I will be their God. And I'll be their God. Does that apply to us? The children of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be their God. Go look at some of the... Where's the best place I can go for promises like this? It is the last five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And the first verse of chapter 7 says this, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And if you back up into those last five verses, you will find seven promises about God saying, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be their father, they'll be my children. I will draw nigh to them, they will be mine, they'll be mine, they'll be mine. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, the seed of Abraham. The enemy's conquered. 20, we were at 24. We were at 24. Did you see included in that promise about thousands of millions? 2460. They blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which ate them. Be victorious. Be a conquering nation. And do you remember this morning from Luke chapter 1 where Mary and Zacharias both said, Thank you, Lord, for the mercy promised to our fathers, to Abraham, that you would send the Messiah to defeat our enemies. To defeat our enemies. Because they're spiritual enemies. You know that I could tell you about Abraham defeating the four kings from Mesopotamia. That was a defeating of enemies in a naturalistic way. I can tell you about Joshua taking the land of Canaan. I can tell you about David defeating the Philistines and all the nations of Canaan. I can tell you all of those stories to you. But I can tell you about Psalm 2, where God has put His Son in His holy hill of Zion, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ in Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That is the, that is the, the, the fulfillment is in the Lord Jesus Christ and defeating all kinds of different spiritual enemies. How can we ever understate, and yet we do it on a regular basis, we understate the defeat of sin. We understate the defeat of death. We understate the defeat of hell. We understate the defeat of the devil. The stronger man came. And those victories are far greater than any victory we can read about in the Bible, and yet we think, where is this fulfilled? I just told you. It's fulfilled more spiritually by a thousand an infinite amount than any battle that Abraham fought or that David fought. Oh, grave, where is thy sting? Oh, death, where is thy victory? It's all over. We thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The last Amen. 10 verses of 1 Corinthians 15. The greatest enemies ever were destroyed by the seed of Abraham. Seed of Abraham. See, we're talking about Abraham, the covenants with Abraham. And in those covenants with Abraham were hid all this stuff, all this gospel truth that I get to tell you about. And Abraham rejoiced to see it. Was the gospel preached to Abraham? I've quoted it seven times. Okay, you want to hear it eight. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And we're blessed. Stand with me, please.